Hi, I am Tingan, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to Season 1, where we interview mums who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. We want to hear stories, hopes, challenges, and tips from mums who are raising kids while pursuing their career aspirations. In this episode, we speak to Fanny, who runs the startup business development function for Amazon Web Services in Asia. I first met Fanny when she was COO of JFDI Asia, then one of the region's leading startup accelerators. She was one of the few who took a chance on my co-founders and I. Since then, she has been recognized as a rising leader in tech, including the recent prestige 40 under 40. She has two sons, one three years old and the other 16 months. Hi Fanny, welcome to the Parents in Tech show. To begin with, can you tell us a bit more about your family? Hello, Chingan. Sure. So I have two kids together with my partner, of course, my husband. So the two little boys with one elder one being three and a half years old at the moment, attending a preschool now, and the other one just turned 16 months. So two little boys at home with one big boy, which is my husband. I'm like the minority in the family at the moment. Very nice, very nice. For your elder son, who is probably you know, starting to expand his mastery of English language, how do you explain your job to him? Wow, I'm not there yet. But if he were to ask me what is mommy doing today, I would probably say I help a lot of different uncles, aunties, Coco and Jijis to help them to dream big and make the dream happen. That is probably how I would describe it to him. I'm not sure if he would fully understood that, but I think he definitely understands how I am helping the other people who are, you know, having a big dream. This is what he he always talks about at night as well before bedtime. Oh, that's so beautiful. I, I love how it's centered around dreams. So what does he talk about at night about dreams? Does he talk about what dreams he wants to have for that night? Oh, not literally in the future, but uh, it was basically a lot about <laughs> nightmares. Uh, that's number one, because he's still a little bit afraid of darkness. I don't know where he learned that from, but he thinks about more and when there's some background sound like the neighbors walking past you, it's like, there must be a monster outside, mama. <laughs> so it changes every day from monsters to dinosaurs, sometimes good stuff like, you know, it could be the stars are pretty bright today and I love the moon because today is round. So dreams in that sense, but not so much about, you know, what do I want to do when I grow up yet? Although we're trying to instill that through our bedtime storybooks, just to get him exposed that he could do anything he want, basically. He just got to dream big. So that's something that we're still working on. Hopefully someday he, he will be able to articulate what he wants to do when he grow up. I'm sure he'll get there. And I love the routine that you guys set for bedtime stories. So maybe tell us a bit about these kind of routines, right? Like, for example, telling bedtime stories. How did you develop this? When did this begin? From day one, I think we started even, I guess, the day he came back home from the hospital, like day four. I think that's critical, kind of just in my husband's culture, not so much mine, that, you know, uh, reading started really early for him. You know, just exposing them with books, different stories, even though they may not understand at that particular age. The fact that they are listening and hearing to your voice, those are just really important milestones. Actually, talking about voice... 
I probably started way before when I was still pregnant. I was reading, you know, Dr. Sue's book, how they say, oh, those are really good books for pregnancy. And, and I started buying that and just reading aloud during pregnancy itself. So that, that was quite an interesting experience for myself. I'm not sure if anything happened, but <laughs> at least for my own entertainment, it was a good book to read. You know, reading aloud is something that probably most adults these days are not used to. But yeah, Dr. Sue's books are pretty good. So I was highly recommended if you haven't tried it. And he actually loved the books now. So, so sometimes he would just say, hey, mama, I want to read read this particular book. I think one of his favorite was uh, Green Eggs and Ham, if I remember correctly. He's always asking me to read that particular book. But yeah, ever since every day, every night, our routine is read one or two books, depending. Sometimes he might negotiate for three or four, but I was like, no, no, let's stick to one or two. And we could, you know, probably speak in different languages. I may do like Chinese books today, English books today, or different, different languages on other days, just to also get him exposed, you know, different culture and different languages. Uh, so he knows that, you know, stories comes in different languages and culture as well. And sometimes they may be the same or even different. It's really up to him how he wants to interpret it. I love that diversity of variety and it almost serves as a reminder for me because I do read to my kid and I do talk to her, but all in English. But like, yeah, maybe I should, <laughs> I should, I, I should mix up and bring. Yeah, I, I think having that diverse language is important, at least for my family, because my husband is non-Chinese. So I want to make sure that he get exposed to his culture as well, uh, which is French in this case. At the same time, I'm also actually half Indonesian. So there is a little bit of Bahasa involved, given my parents, they speak Bahasa to him at home sometimes. So he do understand. And surprisingly, I guess, you know, he really understood the different languages and actually the translation. So he would say, Mama, uh, you're not speaking French because you are Chinese. Or rather, Papa, I want Chinese book today, so I want Mama to read instead of you. So he understood those differences. And sometimes he would even translate the sentence to me in exactly what the, the father was saying to him and, and translate that to English uh, to me. So that was really interesting when he first did that at about like two years old something I was like wow two-year-old kid can start translating you know between French and English that's good to know that he can do that wow that is such a pleasant experience and it's almost like kids at this age when they're young they're like a sponge right I'm sure if you ask us to exactly. le learn new languages now I think we will take a lot of effort a lot of pain yeah for now they are not asking why you know why are they doing this or why do they have to learn they just accept and do it, which is the best time to probably get them exposed to a lot of different interesting things because they are just so hungry and eager to learn new stuff, basically. Yeah. And Fanny, how do you constantly discover new ways to kind of engage and satiate their curiosity? Well, this is a big topic. I don't think I have a structured manner around that. Perhaps it's more around the activities that we do daily or different weekly basis. Not only through books where I get him to learn about different things. Uh, we visit different places. Fortunately, pre-COVID times, we managed to travel quite a bit. His first country was to Hong Kong, two months old. And then we've been traveling quite a bit after. So he gets to see, well, maybe not understood at that age, but at least he gets to experience maybe as simple as cold or snow or even people of different 
skin tone and languages and did people behave differently for uh, specific activities like the way they eat or even the cuisine that we eat at different places. So those are just great experience. But these days with the pandemic, especially my younger one who hasn't really been to anywhere, we try to do something different every week in the weekend, especially, you know, I guess in, in Singapore, not a lot of options, but we try to do like, for example, visiting the farm, the zoo. Zoo is best because they get to see so many different animals, different experiences, bird park, art and science museum. I'm sure you know there's a whole long list of things that you can do in Singapore with children. Having those kind of interactions and activities would help definitely to open up their mindset and kind of see the world differently, hopefully with some explanation on your side that they could understand. Certainly, it's all about the 3D world, right? Not just on the screen, the 2D, but uh, just being able to see it. Yes, yes, yes. Did you get a, a zoo or night safari membership? Of course. <laughs> yeah, I recently heard about it. I also got it. I was like, yep. It's the kind of thing that I feel like you don't really think about when you don't have kids. It's like, why would anyone pay for a membership? Why would you go more than once in five years, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's really nice because, you know, if you don't know what to do on Sunday morning, we'll be like, maybe we should just go to the zoo because we have the membership. So why not, right? Uh, it could be just one hour or a half day trip rather than I'm going to spend the entire day in the zoo because I don't want to explore the entire place. But now we probably just do one section each time we go just so we can do more things at the particular section rather than trying to finish everything that they have, like catching all the shows that they have or making sure that we don't miss any feeding times. That's totally not the, the discussion at the moment now that we have the membership so for those out there who haven't been to the zoo or haven't gotten the membership i would suggest to think about that it might be a worthwhile investment for sure yeah well i feel like uh, the, the wildlife reserve should, should pay us for <laughs> this commercial <laughs> doing some marketing for them i know but i'm a fully agreed right i think all that programming and and just being able to expose them to nature which is sometimes quite hard to get over in singapore that that truly is so valuable now, I want to circle back a bit, right? You said the first trip your son took was to Hong Kong at two months old. Why? And, right. and what, was the th- what was the thinking behind that, right? Usually that's when, I guess, the confinement nanny would just leave. What happened? That was pure practical reason. It was a business trip for my husband. And I'm like, hey, why don't we just try for the first time, you know, a family trip with a kid, right? Because we were first time parents. He's like two months old. There's basically nothing much he would do because he's not crawling. He's not running. So it's, it's from what we heard from our friends, our parents' friends, that is probably the best time to travel because it's a lot lower maintenance <laughs> compared to a toddler who may ask and demand more in terms of, you know, I want to check out these toys. I want to go with this. I want to buy that. I want to eat this. A two-month-old baby is, I guess, besides, you know, breastfeeding and drinking milk, that, that's kind of about it, right? And we just need a pram and make sure that he gets his nap or enough sleep throughout the day. So it was an experiment for us to really kind of see and try what's the experience like. It was just a few days, I believe it was five days. And it wasn't that bad. So since then, we did quite a few different trips. Like I did a crazy one. We drove to Chirating Club Med instead of choosing to fly there. Well, <laughs> not sure if that was a wise decision because it was a 12 hours drive to Charating, north of Malaysia, for those who doesn't know. But you know, when we reached that, the club experience was definitely great, right? Like that was when he first started walking and he started to not be afraid of water because he started learning how to swim at four months as well. 
So he was very comfortable with water. So yeah, the trip was really pleasant to these different places. We were in London as well and in Jakarta, of course, because that's where my family is. So pretty interesting trips, definitely with a one kid family, you know, a trip like that. Wouldn't promise for those who have more than one because I only tried that once recently when we were went for a trip to France just a few weeks ago with two kids. I wouldn't say it's a nightmare, but it's definitely not an easy one when you have two kids in a plane, especially a long-haul flight. So just want to double-click on that and think twice before you decide any VTL flights that you have planned for like Christmas or whatnot. (laughs) I love that. Okay, tell me what happened on the flight that made it tiring, to say the least. Wow, it's probably one of my first long-haul flights that I couldn't finish one movie. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) i mean the screen is just a screen it doesn't help in any way i think for the older one at least he starts to know what is you know cartoons or shows so he gets to entertain himself for a little bit of time uh, with some nice cute shows on the screen but the younger one he doesn't know that all he knows is I just learned how to walk. So let me walk around the plane. And there he goes walking round and round the plane, meeting different people, just touching them like he knew them and, and making friends with the air stewardess. I don't know, trying to get more drinks or snacks from them or something. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pretty tough, like a 12 hours nonstop walking around the plane. I'm glad it wasn't that full. But uh, I've definitely made some friends during the flight itself, given his social skills and how he just interrupt people in the middle of their sleep, which is the not so great part. But yeah, it's essentially a lot of walking instead of sitting down and watching the nice movie when you were still single and alone. <laughs> that is hilarious. And I can imagine, right? Yeah, now I feel like when, when my daughter walks, and even this is even in an open environment, I have to constantly like fend her from like just going to touch people <laughs> and then all exactly. getting into their way. I think all the more in a cabin that that would be even more challenging. I'm curious, <laughs> right? Especially because you travel in this VTR arrangements, were there concerns over, I guess, COVID and health in general, right? Because, of course, in Singapore, it's like contained. It's I would say it's well-managed, but the considerations of travel and all of that, what were some of the thoughts? Yeah, definitely as a concern, right? Because, you know, they are not vaccinated and we really don't know what is the situation out there. I mean, outside of Singapore, we are just not very familiar. You can hear all the news you want about, you know, what is the reported number of cases or whatever measures that the country is making. But the fact is, it's really up to you as a family to be disciplined enough on what you need to do or what you don't want the kids to do. For example, just making sure that you wash the hands often, especially when you come back from the outdoor activities. Um, For example, making sure you sanitize your hand before having food intake and just be more aware on your surrounding. We try to avoid crowded areas. At least that's the number one thing. And just go to more open air area to the park or to your know, outdoor playground rather than any indoor playground. And I mean, we, we don't have to be toured. I mean, life still goes on. So you still need to live a life and have the kind of social interaction with some of the kids that you see in the playground. I think that's fine. It's really up to you as a parent on how you manage the kids' expectation, not exposing them to too much excitement in the wrong area where it's so crowded with other kids. Maybe that's something that you probably need to plan a little bit in advance before you go to that particular place, for example. 
True, true. I think that that's good an advice. Right? I think being thoughtful about where the places you go and what times you go, I think that makes a huge difference. So for those parents, especially with young ones who are thinking about traveling, what's maybe one or two tips or advice that you might have for them? Depending on the country that you go, definitely check and do your homework. There's a lot of information online, whether is it from the government themselves or other sources of information. Definitely do your research. That's something that is really important as a parent to know what is the requirement because sometimes you might miss some details, for example, taking any of a PCR test or whatnot. But more importantly for the kids, right? I would say be disciplined in terms of hygiene. This is just self-hygiene. You can't depend on external factors. I don't think other countries have the same mindset as Singapore if you are very used to you know, the restriction or the limitation that we have here. So you know, adapt to it, that's totally fine. But just be aware and be mindful about that so that you know if you see anything weird, you know, something that is out of the ordinary, you know what to do. So definitely research and and self-hygiene. That's good advice. And on the topic of research or so, I think as parents, perhaps Singaporean parents especially, we tend to do a lot of research on a lot of the topics. One of the things that we talked about before this was on preschool research, right? As for your elder son who started to go to preschool. So tell me about that process. What was it like? What did you do? Yeah, he started the preschool at about 15 months old. So we knew that, you know, school or preschool typically starts around 18 months or even two years old. It really depends on each school kind of structure. So we wanted to do a little bit more research before that. So we were lucky that we managed to find one that is kind of fitting the type of philosophy and the culture that we're looking for. And hence, we just sent him straight because they started accepting children from 15 months old. So that's the reason why we started at 15 months old. But the whole process took a while because we were the kind of parents where we believe a lot in the culture and the philosophy of the education. So it's not just, you know, feeding them, I don't know, academics, like those kind of STEM syllabus where you have to start, I know, science, mathematics from the very beginning. And I don't think a lot of schools do that, but some do. You know, there's different types of pedagogy that you might be looking at or which one do you believe in. So maybe those are the things that you might want to read through and discuss with your partner. Is this the kind of philosophy or the pedagogy that you're looking after or going for and after that really it's all about logistics <laughs> you know how far is the school are they feeding the kids the right thing is that what you're uh, particular in or is that convenient for you to pick up the kids or fetch them from school is it near the MRT or one all these things kind of come into consideration I think I, I literally did a matrix around that, you know, with all the criteria and how important are all these parameters compared to what we were looking for and give them like a scoring. Definitely school fees would be one of them. I mean, practically, that's really what it comes down to, right? With everything that you want, does the school fee fit the kind of budget that you have for the kids? And all these things came down to a few options. We did a couple of, you know, school visits, talk to the principal or the teachers, kind of observe how they teach and everything. And yeah, we, we came down to one finally. I'm glad the, our kid love it. And he's still at the moment in the same school. So hopefully the younger one will be able to join him maybe next year in the same school as well. That's nice. And you mentioned about that philosophy and culture that was important, trying to avoid those that just basically try to almost, it's like the very Singaporean competitive style, right? Love, like try to prepare you for the one. What kind of philosophy and culture were you looking for? 
For us, we were looking at kind of more creativity and play, having allowing the kid to really imagine and do what they want rather than being asked what they need to do. So having that play element, we thought it was important. Like, you know, just outdoor play, we thought it's super critical, especially depending on the kid's personality as well. Ours, oh my, he is such an active kid. We probably definitely need to send him outdoor every single day to get those energy out, if not we will struggle at home <laughs> so we want to make sure that he has that opportunities in school which in this case you know we have I mean it's not a big outdoor playground but at least you know there is just an outdoor playground out there for them to do crazy stuff like you know from water play to sand play to I don't know running around and just obstacle causes or whatnot I have no idea what other things they do but there is that kind of outdoor sessions that they allow but I think for my case it's also a bit specific because my husband is French we were looking for schools that may be able to kind of deliver uh, French as a language for the kids and not many schools in Singapore offer that but there are some so we managed to find one that is not too far away from our place and they do trilingual which is amazing it ticks all the boxes for us right they do Mandarin, French and English which is exactly what we were looking for although you have to compromise a little bit of things like you know, it's not exactly like a walk to the school we still have to drive there but it's not that far and you know if we get the kind of trilingual kind of culture that we were looking for I think we were willing to make the 10 minutes drive to the school every morning I think that's something that we, we will be more than willing to compromise so having that priority scoring again that was critical i think for, for us the the scoring for distance was less important than the pedagogy and the culture so that's why we attended and chose that school makes sense and language is so important because it connects us to our culture to our roots right so what is it like to be a parent in a cross-cultural environment it's interesting. I'm learning myself a lot from the kids as well. Like I mentioned how they pick up language so easily and able to translate that not only to the parents, to the friends, and even now to his younger brother, <laughs> which is really interesting. So for us, we compromise and understand each other's culture, the roots, the belief, and kind of rationalize what do we want our child to be. We expose them, you know, for me, the Chinese culture and for him, the French culture. How do we do things differently? And just let him see the differences and choose what he believes or how he wants to react to that. So we don't have a magic formula to kind of tell our kids what they need to do. But it's more about getting them exposed. You no, know? so for, for my side, for example, they spend quite a lot of time with my parents. So I was lucky to have my parents to help take care of the kids during office hours. So, you know, like for now, I'm working at home quietly with my husband and they are happily playing with the grandparents in another location <laughs> without having to, you know, interfere us or us dragging them to just hiding in one room and play, right? So spending some time with my parents really help because then they get the Chinese kind of culture exposure and a bit of a bahasa like I mentioned a bit of Indonesian eating Chinese food or eating French food I'm glad they don't have a preference they love you know Chinese food rice with porridge to like pasta and cheese so that's great understanding the differences in cuisine especially for French they have a huge focus on cuisine for the kids so I'm glad at least cuisine is being covered and they're not particular about that that's nice right? and especially food 
kids sometimes be one of the most topics that give parents the most headache, right? Because kids, you know, they always want variety in that. I guess in terms of parenting styles also, Fanny, I would love to hear as you went embarked on this journey of parenthood, were there any surprises or differences, right? In terms of um, the way you parent versus the way your husband parents. Mm, that's a topic we talk about every day. Literally just this morning, we were talking about how do we go about disciplining the toddler. You know, in the toddler stage, there's always a lot of different challenges. It could be a meltdown. It could be, a, you know, just a variety of different things. At the moment, we are going through how do we manage meltdowns. And we have different philosophy. You know how Chinese culture, we were not all parents, but most parents, at least from the friends that I know, are more about, say, disciplining the kid in a different way, perhaps slightly harsher than the Western culture with, you know, how I grew up with my mom caning me, for example, right? Like canes are pretty common in Chinese culture, whereas in French culture, he'd be like so shocked that my mom used cane on me. He just couldn't wrap around his head and couldn't understand like accept that this happened and he doesn't want that to happen to the kid. I mean, yes, I don't agree as well. There's there's different, you know, reasons for that. And we have a lot of research there to talk about how do we manage meltdown and definitely having that kind of harsh discipline is not a solution. <laughs> we just have an open discussion and, and talk about it, right? I think the important part is really having different opinions, advices from professionals. So what we did was also to discuss with the principals and the school teachers and kind of talk about how do they usually manage manage this you know they have the experience they see more kids than us you know some even more difficult kids than what we are facing right now so they will have the right tips and that's how we kind of resolve that that could be one surprise in terms of just managing or the way you want to bring up your kid in terms of discipline but one important or interesting one that i want to bring up is i think we are quite lucky in the sense that we both have an elder sibling so my brother has three kids as well and my sister-in-law she has two kids both about the same age around nine and seven six so we get to see how they bring up their children and then learn from them, right? Like what is the best way of best practices? And we realize, you know, one being French family and one is a Singaporean, Indonesian family, although they are the same age, but they turn out to be quite different, completely opposite. <laughs> I would give an example. My nephew is nine years old now and my niece in France, she's also nine years old. They are so different. I guess maybe besides personality, I won't touch that because everyone's just have different personality, but the, the way they were brought up, my nephew is pretty IT savvy you know he has his phone his iPad he plays Roblox just the usual tech stuff that we know in the tech world but the niece in France I wouldn't say she's not tech savvy I'm sure she is but because she wasn't brought up in an environment where she gets an iPad or a laptop or a phone she was very happy with playing board games during the holidays and card games and that's what she loves to do you know she got a present uh, what was it, the IQ tech where you have to solve problems with different maze. You know, it was a 3D structure, basically. And she really loved that. And she reads her own books, you know, physical books, not Kindle. And she enjoys doing that the whole day. And I don't see that to my nephew doing that at all. I think he would just go crazy without his computer or <laughs> iPad. So that was an interesting on how you bring up your kid, right? It really depends on the environment. And I was just discussing that with my husband. What does it mean to us? How do we want our kid to grow up 
you know, in the future. There's no conclusion. I think it really plays by ear on the environment or even the school interaction that they have or the friends that he hangs out with. But I guess we want to give him the options to expose him and see if he enjoys it. I'm glad he gets to play with their cousins and understand, you know, different cousins play different toys. For the moment, he enjoys both type of games, like the offline and the online games, which is good to know. But to be honest, I still don't know how this will turn out. But I just wanted to say, you know, the upbringing of your family really have an impact in the way you grow up and play so that is important for all parents out there as well who's listening absolutely it's about being aware being open and i think also there's this sense where kids can grow up in different ways and that's totally fine right like there's not one way that's better i think the one of the things that even i myself sometimes fall victim to is the whole idea of comparison or even seeing almost like a model of what things should be and then trying to kind of work towards it but i think you know it's very different perhaps that's a lot of what our parents generation had in mind but i think that clearly is quite different these days right i also noticed like you're very engaged right i love the part where you say you don't just figure out things with you and your husband you take the effort to go to school to talk to the parents the teachers who of course they do this as a profession right so how do you do that on top of managing your career aspirations and the busyness of working at amazon for me, it's really prioritization. I think that's a key thing that I've learned at least in the past three to four years having children now. You just got to prioritize. I mean, work is important. Family is important as well. I don't think you need to kind of choose either or. It's, it's like they say, it's a work-life harmony. At a certain level at your workplace, as you climb the ladder or when you hold more responsibilities, it is the fact that you might spend more time maybe talking to an important client, trying to close a deal it is an important moment like your kid's birthday you probably don't want to miss that or like uh, i know parents teacher day or whatnot that you definitely don't want to miss that either so really prioritize and plan in advance i feel like you know as you grow older with more responsibilities planning is important to as basic as calendar management i'm guilty myself that i gotta admit this and this really bad i forgot to pick up my kid from school that's like the worst thing ever that could happen to any parent. I feel so bad and guilty ever since. But like, I should have known that you no, know, my, my parents were not available to pick her up from school. I should have put that in my calendar instead of just going through my work calls and totally forgot about my son waiting alone in school and the teacher had to call me and like, what's happening? And that is just not great, you know, like, I'm glad he wasn't crying or feeling disappointed that he was playing, but, you know, things could have been worse. So really prioritize and plan in advance with the responsibilities that you're carrying as you grow in your company, right? Career is important, but definitely remember that family is important as well. You know, I try not to work in the weekends, for example, because that's really the only time where I can spend full day with my kid. You know, Monday to Fridays, you know, you basically only spend time in the morning and in the evening putting them to bed with a story. That's really about it. I mean, that's literally less than two, three hours of the day. And you don't get to see how they develop throughout the day. And that's already majority of the week. So you definitely want to spend the whole of Saturday and Sunday with them. I mean, and it doesn't have to be just them, right? It could be with your friends, making sure that you're still living a good social life with the friends that you hang out with or having some play dates you have. If you're lucky enough to have, you know, friends who have a similar age kids that could hang out together, I think that's the ideal scenario. Really planning those 
play dates, planning, you know, going out to the zoo or other activities. Those are great fun family activities that you will remember as you grow older about the, the quality times that you've spent with them. Certainly. I think drawing those boundaries and sometimes even communicating them with your team. And I think people these days are pretty understanding, right? But I think the biggest challenge, at least I find it's also my own self, right? The sense that I want to get things done. But sometimes it's also, yeah, you got to really draw that. Yeah. And it's totally fine. You could just take a break. Like, you know, sometimes I really got to work late because I just got to close this deal. And maybe instead of spending two hours in the evening, I spend one hour and I tell my husband, say, hey, I, I really got to get this done by today. And then when you put the kids to sleep, I go back to work. It's no big deal. I mean, it, it's really up to you how you want to manage your time as long as you get the job done. I believe most companies are like that these days. So I guess, you know, do spend some time with, with the family whether it's your, your husband your spouse or, or just the, the kids but also make sure that you finish what you have promised your people you know whether is it the team or the family when you set out something to do true that's golden advice now one kid versus two kid is it double the work <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it double or exponential <laughs> Well, I guess there's pros and cons, right? I guess having two boys, maybe it helps a little bit because there's a lot of common toys that they get to play. You know, I don't have to buy new toys. I mean, I buy new toys that are different so they get even more interesting and the diverse toys that they can play together. I wouldn't say double the workload or <laughs> I wouldn't say workload either. But two kids is definitely more taxing than one for sure. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> Especially when the younger one is still waking up every night for like milk. That's definitely really tiring. But it really helps to see how the older one is taking care of the younger one. That is super interesting. And I never really thought about it when I was pregnant with the second one, right? Like the older brother now, it's kind of just helping to bottle feed the baby or try to help throw the diapers or try to make sure that uh, he's taking care of the brother while the parents are busy doing other stuff. Those are great help because they are peers, right? And the younger one will kind of look up to the older brother and see what he's doing and learn from each other. Obviously, there will be fights and it's starting already. Uh, sometimes it can be really frustrating that you can't just have one toy. You need to have two of exactly the same toy toys so they don't fight but i think the, the golden moment is really when they play with each other that's really uh, heartwarming and it's really nice to see how you get to play with each other rather than just playing yourself with a toy well fanny two kids versus three kids any thoughts on that oh wow I did thought about that, but that might be a bit too much. I think my husband's still trying to convince me that the older one will take care of the younger ones and it's going to be amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's just not there yet. I got to mm. make him try harder on me. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Now, Fanny, I also noticed this something very interesting, right? Which is when you were on maternity leave, taking care of your second child, you also embarked on this uh, AWS Solutions Architect certification, which is fascinating, right? Because as someone who built your career primarily in tech, but non-technical kind of like direction, what led you to take this on? And especially at a time when I guess you could rest, uh, you could chill. What was the thinking behind that? I think for me, it's all about learning and be curious, which is one of the leadership principles in Amazon, actually. I always like to learn something new. And I felt, you know, from my experience in the first pregnancy, at least at the point of time, I was thinking, I do have a lot of time during the maternity leave. The first time around, I actually didn't have a confinement lady, but I was lucky that my first kid was quite nice. You no, know, he sleeps all the time. And there's really nothing much to do besides breastfeeding and making sure that I eat properly. 
and that's about it. So I was looking at various different things to do. And then during the second pregnancy, I thought I will be more structured this time around. So I you know I saved lots of podcasts, books that I want to do. And I'm like, hey, why don't I just listen and watch the videos of all these AWS services that I've been really keen to learn, but I didn't have time to learn during the workday itself. Actually, for those mothers who are still breastfeeding or pumping, you should probably know when during breastfeeding or pumping, there's really nothing much you are doing, especially at night when your husband is sleeping too. So there's no one to chat. The lights also, it's really hard to read a book. The only time you can do is play with your phone. And sometimes you don't want to get dumb <laughs> by just playing games or just going through social media. So I started watching all this and I'm like, hey, maybe it's about time for me to do something you know, more challenging. So I, I ran through the whole video uh, curriculum, and I thought I could try some of the exam questions. Hey, maybe I should just go for it. And I'm really lucky and glad that I went through this at first try and I passed it. That was surprising to me, but I'm glad I did it. And finally, after a few years in the company, I managed to get this certification that I'm really proud of because that's not easy at all. It was really, really tough. I got a lot of support, you know, tips and tricks from the company itself, from the friends that I have, solutions architect friends and colleagues. That was a great moment and a milestone for myself. I'm really proud of that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Huge congratulations. And I think it's like you said right it's not just the cert itself but really the journey that you took and being intentional about it so you know for moms and especially new moms who might potentially want to use these opportunities to grow and to you know, take on additional courses what kind of tips would you have for them I would say it really depends what you want to do and where your passion lies. For me, it's really to upskill myself because I know I wouldn't have the time when I go back to work. Uh, in fact, I use those time to kind of catch up with my crypto knowledge, for example. Right? I mean, it's such an interesting topic. You never finish learning about what's happening in this industry. So a lot of resources out there. And actually, one good tip that I should tell parents out there, the, the AirPod Pro is really helpful. Now I don't have a cable that is tied to my phone and I can just do whatever what I want while listening to a podcast or a video. Those are super amazing, especially, I'm sorry, I got to say this again, especially when you're breastfeeding, it, it gets in the way. <laughs> and those uh, cordless uh, earpieces are just amazing. So that's how I managed to just really catch up with a lot of podcasts, with a lot of videos that I've been wanting to learn. But prepare, be prepared, do your research. I'm sure there's a ton of things that you've been wanting to listen to. Even TED Talks, for example, is one of my favorite to listen to all these amazing speakers on the specific topics that you just probably wouldn't have so much time to spend on when you're in a full day of full-time work. So true, so true. Now, Fanny, we started this conversation talking about books. So if you were going to write a book for your children, what would it be about? Hmm, a good one. That would probably be the most practical and put all the learnings that I want my children to know into a book. You know, so far, all the books has been pretty amazing in teaching the children about specific things. Uh, it could be as practical as like, I don't know, toilet training, right? <laughs> like, those are great books. Like it was precisely the books you know, that I borrowed from the library, for example, on toilet training or for uh, how to brush your teeth or for showering or just basic things like that to read them in a book. It's so much more interesting than us telling them what to do. So if I were to write a book, I'll definitely write a whole series of what you need to learn 
but in the children manner and they will be definitely absorbing that in a more interesting manner you know from practical ones that I mentioned but all importantly for you know just interesting educational materials that will help them in getting that kind of exposure that you normally wouldn't get if you were to just tell them through day-to-day conversations. True and conversations easy to forget but uh, books you, you memorialize it so I wish that you'll find the time <laughs> hopefully at some point to start putting those thoughts Lots of drawings would help too. Having that kind of visuals is important. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So Fanny, to wrap up our conversation for today, if there's one lesson you learned as a parent in tech, what is it? I'll come back to the word prioritize. I think that's really key, at least for me, to know how to prioritize between different things, whether is it urgent, whether is it not, how important is this? I don't want to be saying that family comes first. Yes, it does. But on different situations, I know personally that sometimes there's some urgent work that you really need to attend. You don't want to be the bottleneck and that's fine as well. But plan in advance, making sure that, you know, someone else in the family, whether is it your spouse or other uh, family members would be able to help attend the children, for example, before you dive straight back into the world. So prioritize and planning is definitely a critical trait uh, for any parents in tech. That's beautiful. And I think just over the past conversation, you shared so much tips and advice that I'm sure would be helpful to our audience. So for the bums and dads who are listening and would be interested to connect with you, how can they best do so? I have a lot of connection on LinkedIn. I would really love to connect over there as well if anyone wants to just find me there. Just say that you are listening to me in Parents in Tech. I'd love to connect with you there. Certainly. Well, thanks so much for taking time off, Annie. It's been such a joy to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tsingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.